A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most American podcast network. Pac-Man, everybody. Welcome to the Cynical Cartoons podcast, where today I watched Bionic 6 with my friend Joel Zamet. Joel uses he, him pronouns. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at StopTweetingMia. Thank you for listening to the Cynical Cartoons podcast for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm here if you need to talk. A super future family. A family brought together by faith and given superpowers through the miracle of modern science. So yeah, today on the podcast, we watched Bionic 6 from 1987. What is your era with Saturday morning cartoons? Like, what did you watch a lot growing up? So we had something called Cheese TV, where they uh, would feature, say, several different um, sort of cartoons, sort of towards um, the the end of my Saturday morning watchings or like midday uh, midweek uh, watchings was like the, the first season of Pokemon. Um, Samurai Pizza Cats was one of them. I've heard much about it. I've never seen an episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I adore it from memory. Because they used to have this umbrella that they would twirl as part of the introduction. So, of course, you better believe I twirled an umbrella pretending I was a samurai pizza cat at one point in my life. And then also the the, the 90s Marvel stuff. So, like Spider-Man, X-Men, uh, those kind of things were my jam. Oh, that's right. I forgot that you're like a big X-Men guy. Ah, very much a big X-Men guy. This this show has a very distinctive X-Men feel to it to me. Yeah, it, it did. It felt so much like Fantastic Four mixed with, like there were so many other kind of things like Transformers. There's an aspect of that. Right. It just felt like, sure. they're like, what's good with pop culture? Can we include many things in this? And they're like, yeah, I guess. Like a little bit of Lost in Space. They just threw that in. And also just the ambiguous science Right, exactly. There's like a G.I. Joe component to it with the villains. Mm. It's very much like an amalgamation of a lot of other things that were popular at the time. It felt like very much Fantastic Four. It's like, right, well, Fantastic Four, we need another family group that has uh, came together. We can't do five because that seems like we're copying. Three seems sad. It's either like the parents and a lonely child or the other way around. We have to introduce a dead mum or dad. So let's go six. And what I love about this one in particular is so we've got the theme music or the, the intro, which just explains everything. And then we just dropped in and we're like, okay, they're a family and it's very multiracial, which is great. But how, how do they, re- what's, huh? 
Well, I, I kind of like that. That seems like a very modern way to approach it. And seeing as it is 1987, I kind of expected them to like go in and try and explain why there's mm. two white parents and two white kids and one black kid and one Asian kid and a gorilla robot named Fluffy. And they don't explain that. They're just like, <laughs> hey, guess what? They are a family and that's it. It's either adoption or, or who cares? Like they're a family. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was one of the kids name? Like Sport One? Did I mishear it? No, that's right. That's right. They they all have code names. So they're like Rock One, uh, Mother One, Sport One. <laughs> I don't remember the other one. But yeah, they all have real <laughs> names too. But it's like, well, you're kind of asking a lot out of your child audience, presumably, to know the names and the code names of every single one of these people. It was just, yeah, it just, they dropped you right in. Uh, which I, I absolutely commend them for. They just drop you right in. There were so many times, like, as I was right, watching, I was, like, sort of taking notes. And at one point, one just, just yells something. And, and my note is, like, did he just say, hail scarab? What? Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> so then it's like, oh, okay. Who is this handsome individual that was a very suspicious, initially named Lyle? And then, yeah, the main villain. Ah. Oh. Something Scarab, Lord Scarab at one point. That's right, Professor Scarab, I think. Yeah, I mean, the show really does just drop you in. And I sort of felt like, because there is an episode later on that I watched that's like a flashback episode to like, oh, honey, remember our superhero origins? And I was like, this is just just like the pilot. You guys just rearranged it a little bit to put this here. Professor Scarab is a little, he's a wild one, that guy. It it felt like he was just very drunk. (laughs) You know, it just yes, felt yes, like I do know every line that that Professor Scarab delivered felt like he just you know smashed a couple before. Uh, he has some of the best lines in this particular, at least the first episode. I just like now that I'm immortal, I'll need money, all the money in the world, and then the next step, taking over the world, mm-hmm. and then he's like right and left hand man. I'm like, that's a great idea, boss. You should do that. And it just felt like they were just on one long continuous bender. Also, the just the the look of him. He just looked. He had like good melty face. Yeah, like his whole face was sallow and melty, but a little bit chunky at the same time. Yeah, the whole villain crew is pretty crazy. Like, they've got, like, the whole, like, Nazi fetishism going on. <laughs> they're giving Nazi salutes and saying, Hell Scarab, and and they're, <laughs> they have monocles and, and face masks, and they're eight feet tall sometimes, and you're like, wow, this is good. Yeah, and, oh, and his loyal army of robots that just were there that he was yeah. pontificating to at one point. Just so that the heroes have somebody to slaughter without slaughtering human beings, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can't have them beating up this pasty fat man. So instead, hmm, army of robots. How do we like this? And the answer is very. We very much like this. <laughs> all of his henchmen, it's, it's a bit of a tragic story. They used to all be human beings, just normal people. And then they submitted themselves to evil Professor Scarab's superhuman machine. That not until they're inside of the machine does he tell them that they'll also become his mutant slaves. So oh. that was a good a good thing that happened. <laughs> well, yeah, you just do not get that in the first episode. Uh, well, yeah, that that's a surprise out of left field. But it's nice that they're loyal to him, I guess, even with all the experiments and 
slavery going on. Yeah, but I mean, I guess that slave is a really loose definition here because throughout the show, one of his hench people is just constantly trying to undermine him. And that that dynamic really doesn't change. I don't know if that was shown off in the first episode. I watched a few of them. The first episode and the fifth episode, the twelfth episode, and then the, the last two episodes. And Did watching it uh, out of sequential order do anything? Was it confusing? It's it's just good to pick the episodes with the craziest titles, really. <laughs> so one of his hench people, his like second in command, is always trying to undermine him, and he knows that. He's like, Oh, you won't get me this time, uh scabby face or whatever. And that dynamic really doesn't change the entire show. Like, that dude is trying to undermine him in episode five, and in the finale of the show, he's trying to undermine him. Never once happens. Okay, Never once okay. throughout the four years of operation is he actually accomplish anything. He just sort of is always like, hey, fuck you. So it's a very very much a, a, a Megatron Starscream situation going on, where you've got, you know, your main villain, and then you've got your snivelly little shit who's your second in command, but he, he just wants that throne. But now the design of Professor Scarab was was beautiful. Like you've got the um, uh, the fact that his his lips were just so plump and luxurious. And, and I remember in, in in university, like all those years ago, my kind of like a central thesis for an essay of mine was how when they do a lot of like male villains, we need to make them very feminine. And so, yeah, there's this, like, such this big idea, especially in, like, a lot of Disney films where it's, like, this feminizing the male, and that's how we know they're evil. I guess that I didn't get that impression from Lord Scarab because he is just, like, plump medieval lord plus technology. Yeah, there, there was a, li- a lot of like that. Like, when they um, <clears throat> throw that guy in the snake pit. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, wow, are we giving him, like, a Ragnar funeral? Is this out of something out of Vikings? Because it's just like very, but then of course we, you know, overcut that, I guess, with a little bit of comedy by the the idiot boy trying to feed snakes bananas. A hilarious visual gag. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing about Lord Scarab is that like a lot of uh, cartoon villains you'll see like Skeletor doesn't really Mm. do anything all that devious a lot of the time. You're like, why is he man fighting him? What are they even fighting over. With Lord Scarab, you're like, oh, this motherfucker's gonna throw innocent people in a snake pit. Yeah. That's, we know he, why he's evil. He needs to go down. Yeah. 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 Uh, what, what else I loved about uh, the the Bionic Six, as they, as they are called, is um, trying to decipher their power sets, because that was hard. <laughs> sure, yeah. I don't know if it's made explicit in the, in the first episode. They were all just like normal kids, and their dad was a super powered his name was like power one or whatever Uh. he was infused with nanotech that allowed him to fight for justice and then his family all almost died so he infused them as well with nanotech so they all have little robots inside of them that make them run fast and hit people with baseball bats really hard Okay, because I kept trying to keep like a list of all the powers that one or all of them had it was uh one was definitely a speedster we had some kind of telepath in the team. I think that might have been mum. Dad had laser eyes. We had one of the kids was just great at kung fu. Um, what race do you think that kid was? If oh, you were to I guess know. in the audience. <laughs> it's a subtle one. It comes out of left field. You're like, huh, didn't expect that particular ethnicity to be good at kung fu, you say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everyone jumps real good. That's just like, you know, like a lot of superheroes, everyone can fly. Like that's right. your base level power set. It just seems they're like, no, jumping, 
Jumping is our base level. So everyone jumps real good. And then you've just got a, a few people, like one, there's a mention, a throwaway mention of like, my magnetic powers don't work. And then someone threw up illusions and then they can combine for various other things. And th- those are the power sets that I noticed whilst I was watching. Well, what, what do you mean combine? Are you saying that there's like a, like a Megazord aspect to this where they can like sort of morph together? No, they all kind bigger... of like, m- more like they all like put, their, put their hands together and then they did a thing. So oh, sure. Like, okay. Let's like let's combine our powers for one big massive blast, and then like, damn, that did nothing. <laughs> and so that that was used a couple of times, but it just it just felt very great to be like their power sets are unknown and doesn't really matter. So this is great. <laughs> the writers can have some fun with it and do whatever they want, I guess. Right. Um, and there's some yeah. The whole show is just full of great little one-liners. There was a lot of time people were just trying to, uh, you know, just uh, speak in, a, in kind of like catchphrases. And they were like, we haven't settled on a catchphrase for any of them particularly, so let's just uh, throw it at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. Yeah, the writing here was was pretty impeccable. I mean, honestly, this show is very, very watchable. Like, I watched a few of them. And the funny thing about this is that it's it's impossible to find on the internet, like, Mm. There aren't DVD box sets available in print right now. It is on YouTube in like 188p quality. Yeah, it's, it's like weird. super zoomed in. And then it's like on daily motion at half speed and mirrored. <laughs> and you're like, what? These both sound. That's why I love this podcast. Things are just like <laughs> fucking impossible to find. You can't even stream this legally if you want to. There's no way. And, and again, I'll, I'll keep hopping on about just how much they just like forced you to accept in the first episode like the very first opening scene is just a guy getting got by a bunch of natives for lack of a better word and and just the audio they're using for for the natives to to talk is a mishmash of what you would think that the 80s would use for audio of people in uh I, i guess unnamed amazon area yeah, I, I think they were they were explicitly in Africa, but I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of actually liked that that's what the first episode of the show is about, because for the first episode of this show about like this like multiracial family to be about how the black teenager JD is like a 5,000 year old African warrior god and his his tribe's powers are being stolen by an evil white man and he has to like go out there and fight him and get that back and return to his tribe that was pretty bad like that was some black panther shit i had fun with that that was sweet it seems like a lot of the 80s would just like ignore the race thing entirely but it seems like every episode is like either that or like they're going to like a karate tournament for the asian kid i don't know any of these people's names i know jd they don't really say their names very often honestly (laughs) Yeah, I got JD and uh, uh, Sport One, and then I then 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 there was Professor. Initially, I thought it was his name was Professor Shark, and I got really excited, but I just misheard, and it was Professor Sharp, which led to a little bit of disappointment. Now, is, is Professor Sharp the father, or is that his boss? I assumed it was kind of like a mayor situation, where where he was just on the blower to be like, hey, we've got a problem and that needs to be solved, so why don't you get, go get him, Bionic 6? Right, right. Yeah, he shows up a lot. That guy in another episode 
it's just revealed offhand, like, oh, Professor Scarab is my brother. And then they're like, what? And he's like, we'll never explain it again. We'll never mention it. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just a fact. Goodbye. <laughs> that rolls. It comes and goes so fast. <laughs> yeah, it's it just it, this, again, only watching one episode from me. Uh, it just feels like they threw every cliche and every genre and every sort of like pop culture reference and just saw what everything else, everyone else was doing. And we're like, let's try and do that. And then they just did it all. And, and to be honest, I think they've made a superior show. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very stock, and I guess it doesn't really do anything memorable. I'll probably not think about this show all that much in the future, but... Oh, yeah, no, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had fun with it in my in my day of watching it. Yeah, and, and like I love uh, the, the plot with JD Sports One and their robot monkey called Fluffy. So, like with that particular plot, that we were meeting this like ancient civilization who can speak impeccable English, which was just great. It was just great that those guys had also unexplained powers. They could communicate through medallions. They could mind wipe at the drop of a hat. And I think know what was happening in other parts of the world. Like the end, the end shot of this whole whole episode was just the chief just nodding directly into the camera, and then credits. Well, I mean, and they they also seem to be immortal. Like they definitely have been alive for a very long time because they have all these like cave etchings from thousands of years ago. And and JD finds them, and he's like, "Wait a minute, you look a lot like that chief." Uh, statue is that your ancestor and he's like no that's me dude he's like you're five thousand years old too (laughs) it was so great that chieftain was so eager to spill his secrets he felt like a guy who who knew the future so didn't care (laughs) yeah i mean it kind of seems like everything that happens in this first episode would be so consequential to the rest of the series like presumably the rest of those teens are going to grow up and jd is going to be 17 forever, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's never yeah. brought up again because he gets his mind wiped at the end of the episode and doesn't remember it, but... uh, So did everyone get their mind wiped? Because I, I knew uh, it was very obvious when, you know, uh, uh, Lord Scarab, or Professor Scarab, sorry, when he got his mind wiped. That's but right. did everyone get their mind wiped? That would be my assumption. I assume they did, but then JD kind of makes a, a nod about being a 5,000 old man, and then he's like gives the camera a little look and then we get a nodding chieftain just being like, yes, yes. Well, I I think that there's two separate moments within the course of 45 seconds where somebody's like, wow, that was an incredible adventure that I'll never forget. Wait, what's going on? What's happening? I should make a sandwich, you know? And then the villain does the exact same thing and you're like, okay, so I guess you guys just didn't really want to write a new joke there, but okay, sure. This was their pilot. They were like, "Look, if this gets picked up, we don't." There's a lot of like consequences here about immortality and what they're gonna do in this particular. So if we make everyone forget, it's fine. Right? We'll reset the uh, the universe every episode. Things that aren't. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I I liked that the show seems very, like, self-aware about, like, villain etiquette and tropes in cartoons. Mm. There was one part where, like, the, the villain, Ward Scarab or whatever, has all of the Bionic 6 captured... And he decides not to kill them. He like locks them up, and the mm. and his hench person is like, "Why didn't we just kill them when we had the chance?" And he's like, "You're a fool. That's why I'm the leader because I'm gonna <laughs> keep them locked up instead." And it's like, well, <laughs> no, he has a point. Like you should have killed them when you had the chance, and then because you only need one of them, he like needs them to help him find the lost tribe with the medallion. But it's like, well. Just kill most of them. Yeah, and at that point, he'd already gotten the the immortality stone. He just wanted more gloating, and it just seemed that like the villain got what he wanted. Uh, again, so it was like the best motivation. I just, I, I really just love the phrase. Uh, now that I'm immortal, I'll need money. It was beautiful, and so he just robs a bank. He's like, well, I'll start here, and so it just seemed like he had no plan going forward. He was just like. You'd never, ex- I guess, as a villain, you never expect to win, and he did right. straight off the bat. Like his first one was a success, and he was like, "I, I got this immortal stone, and it has all these like zappy powers. So, I guess <laughs> I need gold." Well, yeah, and he, he seems to be gold. spinning his wheels quite a bit in this series because later on in the show, like in the end of season two, he's still fighting for immortality. Like he gets it in episode one, and then he loses it, and then in, ep- in season two, he's like, "Oh yeah, I have like this rock band that plays for me, and they're gonna play a concert for all these teens, and I'm gonna suck all the teens' youth so that I can live forever." And you're like, "Dude, didn't you like already do that? Like, what? Mm. Okay, kind of seems like you had that and lost it. How many times have you been immortal before?" Really, what immortality does uh, is the, the the best superpower there is you you now need to have patience. That's really what it gives you. So if all you got to do is grab that stone, dig a dig hole, sit down, bury yourself, and wait. Give it, what, 50 years, 60 years? All of them are going to be dead or at least on the on their way. And you just pop out again. No one knows who you are, and you can just lord it over as long. All you had to do was wait, mate. That's all that- <laughs> you needed to do was a good 60 years. That would be so incredible. If if the Bionic Six like sees him doing that and they're like, what is he do? He's digging a hole and burying himself alive. Should we stop him? No, I guess we just let him do it. I don't know. He's burying himself alive. Everyone just sets up a big perimeter. Everyone just like arms crossed, looking down. <laughs> there there was one point that I really loved, which was Scarab's henchman 
the really dumb one that was like eight feet tall, like sees the bionic six and he's like, Oh, look chief, Oh, bad guys. And I just love that the (laughs) villains all think that they're the good guys. Like every villain is a hero of his own story. And the show takes that so literally it's, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I get it. It's, it feels like it's very self-aware of again every other sort of cartoon that's gone come before it as well because you have yeah you've got your incompetent leader you've got your second in command he's a bit of a weasel uh, and he's a bit more ruthless but he never gets what he wants and then you've got your big brute idiot and and, and he's lovable he's a little lovable scamp because he's so stupid he's feeding right. bananas to to snakes to intimidate that um, beardy guy he just picks up the whole table like, he don't know what he's doing. <laughs> And then you have your standard, like, girl, because they need somebody to be misogynist towards, who doesn't really talk or do anything, but she has a gas mask and she fights good. So that's something. Ah, I, I never got to uh, a lady villain. So when when does she pop up? She She's around. She doesn't really do all that much. She doesn't have much character to her. Um, <laughs> what? I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. The other episodes that I watched were were all pretty insane. Um, not a lot happens in that origin story episode. There was one episode called Mrs. Scarab Returns. And in that episode, Professor Scarab's wife, who he made in a lab, comes back. And there was like a flashback to a previous episode where he was like, I need a... a something to fuck, I guess. <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> so he stole mother one from the bionic six and he put her inside oh. of like a cloning machine to steal her like motherly essence i guess <laughs> okay look. so he he was like this new wife of mine is going to have the beauty and motherly charm of this woman and my brains and it'll be perfect and then he accidentally makes like a nagging shrewish like wife that looks like him and he's like what what happened she's horrible <laughs> Okay, Lord Scarab. Uh, yeah. First off, you're creating a wife. Mm-hmm. Not great to begin with, but if you're going to no. go down this route, so you want to kidnap their mum and clone that person, do you think maybe this is a problem? There are more people out there. You could just get anybody, someone who is, you know, a, a, just a regular person, a good mother, if you if you want her motherly sort of qualities. Right. Uh, yes, a, 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 a person who, you know, sends their kids off into dangerous situations and marries perhaps a maniac who will happily experiment on on his family, maybe not a great mum, just yeah. saying. And, and also it's a troublingly common trope in cartoons for the villains of a movie or TV show to kidnap a woman and steal her womanly essence. <laughs> Like, I just saw that in Mars Needs Moms like three weeks ago where they were like, yeah, we're going to kidnap this kid's mom and use her like motherly brain waves to program all of our robots. And I'm like, she's a she's a human being, dude. Like, she's not just like a discipline machine. What the fuck? Yeah, like, surely you get something, I don't know, like a good goose, you know, like a, a goose that's protective of, of its little, you know, little goslings. Grab that and be like, ah, yes, the motherly essence of this goose. Right. She will protect me. So his plan goes horribly awry. He, like, creates Mrs. Scarab in his own image, I guess. And I didn't throw around the the, the claims of misogyny lightly. Like, he, she immediately, when she pops up, he hands her, like, a, a mop and a mock bucket and he's like we're gonna go out and do evil you clean up the lab and then she just like 
<laughs> nags at him, but she does it anyway. My word. Yeah. Yes. I need to do male activities like taking over the world and robbing natives of precious stones. You stay home and clean. Ugh. And then as that episode goes on, she she creates gender-bent versions of all of his hench people. And I was like watching it like, wow, this is like a fan fiction <laughs> that somebody would have written, but it's canon. Like that rules. The only thing that could have gone better is if they all fell in love with each other, if they're gender bent versions of themselves. Hell yeah. And got like I had a big mass wedding. Ah, I'm I'm disappointed that wasn't the ending. That would have been a great like season finale. Like all they needed was to love themselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the end of the episode, she she leaves Lord Scarab. Again, I guess that there was two episodes with this wife and they both ended with her leaving, um, <laughs> which like fair, like he's a shithead. He's like a literal Nazi man, um, yep, 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 yep. but it's not really clear why she wants to leave because she's also like presumably a Nazi. So I don't yeah, know. She has his brain. So hmm. maybe they just weren't compatible because she's got, his, is it a thing where like she has his brain? So like. I don't want to do all the all those womanly activities. I want to go and pilfer from natives. Why won't I? Right. Let me I want to be misogynist towards somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It could it could be like a thing where like you start dating somebody and then you realize that you're just too alike and you have to go out and find somebody with a little bit more structure in their lives, somebody that treats you a little better. Yeah. 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 Like you can't have two pieces of shit in a relationship. You know, it's not how that works. Yeah. If you do that, you get gone girled. So I watched a few more episodes. I watched the finale of the show. Well, I, I skipped around in the finale. Let's be clear about that. I didn't watch the entire thing. And the finale of the show, Professor Scarab sends all of the teens into their favorite cartoon, which is like sort of a Looney Tunes, like Animaniacs kind of thing. <laughs> and that was fun. I like. It's that. amazing. It's amazing what you can do with science. Yeah. <laughs> Just... Fuck that rules. God, I should have majored in science in college. I majored in filmmaking, and that didn't help me at all. Uh, to think the things I could have done with science instead of <laughs> art and media. Drama. What did that get me? Nowhere. That's where. So they go into this cartoon, and at the end of the episode, they get out. And literally the last thing that happens in the entire show is that is that JD is like, you know, you guys, I've been thinking. All those cartoon characters in that show didn't know they were cartoons. What if we think that we're in the real world and actually we were in a cartoon and somebody else is watching us right now? And then the show just fucking ends with like a Looney Tunes like like doop 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 do and the screen like goes black in. <laughs> and I was like, this is fuck what just happened? That's, all right. That's pretty good for like very interesting uh, cartoon from the 80s that probably not many people watch, but that's fantastic. It ends like that. Yeah. It, like, ends with that, and then it cuts to outside, and all of the cartoons from their cartoon that they watched were, like, running mm. around. And I was like, <laughs> more TV shows and movies need to draw attention to the audience. Like, yeah. I think I think that there was this thing. I saw the new Invisible Man movie, and the whole thing is that, like, this woman in an abusive relationship, her husband, like, makes himself invisible and she feels like she's being stalked all the time. And is she or isn't she? And there's, like, this weird implicit thing in the movie where it's like, oh, does she know, like, when she feels somebody watching her, is that, like, implicitly her feeling the audience's eyes on her? 
That's cool. Do that more. That's cool and weird and unique. Yeah, it feels like this whole series, from what you're saying, and like again, the the the, the pilot episode, it feels like it it wanted to be a bit more of a satire slash leaning really into those sort of tropes, kind of like Adventure Bros, but before they could kind of do or get away with what Adventure Bros did, is this kind of just like, oh yeah, we're kind of making fun of all these kind of, you know, dumb things that happen. Because you've got, like, yeah, you've got the Reed Richards science man, bad father kind of uh, proxy there. That's right. And then you've got, like, some, you know, every kind of, like, uh, cartoon, like, we need a robot helper. And so you've got this giant ape thing just, ah, just clearing out a forest. It was, like, one of the funniest moments. He just grabs a tree and then just starts swinging, singing an ape song as he smacks other trees around to clear a path to get to the mountain they need to go to. And I don't know, it just feels like this would not have been that far removed if this was, like, retweaked only slightly as, like, a Venture Bros episode. Yeah, and I guess that I don't want to give too much credit to the show because it is... A bad 80s cartoon. Like, for sure, it falls into the same amount of tropes as it calls out. And I wasn't even sure all the time if it was self-aware about these things or if it was just, like, that poorly written. Because it certainly could have been. It's either very, very clever or very stupid. Yeah, that's right. It can be both, I think. I think can be two things. (laughs) The network I run is basically that premise. That's right. <laughs> and then the the last episode that I watched was one where they um their friend does like who was sort of designed after Elton John, like this like Elton John looking motherfucker, makes a bunch yeah. of robot musicians because he's like he's like, well, human rock stars are flawed, but mm-hmm. my robots will just be perfect. <laughs> That was a nice combination of elements because there was like a cowboy one, there was like a breakdancing one. Um, <laughs> classic 80s rock band where you take people of so many different genres and just push them into one thing. Like a that's more of a 90s boy band thing, I guess. Yeah, it's like what what genre of music are they doing? A a breakdancer with a cowboy led by Elton John. <laughs> well, Elton John was just their producer. He wasn't in the band. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, he should have been. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they do like just like 80s, like cartoon rock, I would say. Like mm-hmm, if you've ever heard mm-hmm. in a cartoon when they have like a song that's supposed to be super catchy and it's like the song that everybody in the world loves doesn't really have a verse. It's just like the chorus on a loop for 30 seconds at a time, 15 times, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yes. <laughs> I'm very aware of that. The the music in this actually was was quite nice. Yeah, they, I, they, I love they, they had a lot song. of yeah, and they used the theme song like sparingly, but like often enough that you could be like, ah, yes, that's the theme song motif, and they would use it um, like every now and again. And you're like, yes, I am watching Biotic Six. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, cartoon, for reminding me. Yeah, and you know that you're watching Bionic Six because they literally, in the theme song, the thing is like, Bionic, Bionic Six. They're Bionic and their family, they fight crime. They're Bionic Six, and they like say it over and over again. I miss, I miss theme songs like that. I miss yeah, I a know, good introduction too. where it was just like, what's going on? This, cool. Yeah, I wish that like the Rick and Morty theme song every week was just like the Rick and Morty going on adventures, gonna go have adventures. Like, Yeah, Rick is this car crazy scientist boy, and then he's got his nephew, his uh, grandson, Sarah, <laughs> fucked up. Here's the theme song. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, that'd be right. The theme song for Bionic 6 does end with a narrator coming in and saying, Bionic 6, a family brought together by fate and given superpowers by the miracle of modern science. (laughs) And that's just good. Like, you just need that. Yeah. And again, you know, we don't need an origin story. We don't need to know, know how people got from A to B. We're just having fun with it. Yeah, whose kids are these? Where did where did they come from? I Doesn't don't know. Matter. Just accept. Just accept that. Yeah, they 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 might even just be using family in the loose sense that you know we care for each other and love each other. And... Chosen family. Yeah, it's the bonds you make. You know, it's not about blood. It's about bonds. And you know, I can accept that, and that's great. I think like more like modern day films and cartoons should really take a leaf out of Bionic Six book and just throw us in the deep end. Let me experience your world. Don't explain shit. Well, I, I think that you just need to watch more 80s cartoons if that's the case, because that was most of them at the time. It was like, who are these people? Why is that man a skeleton? Why is any of this? Okay, cool. It's happening. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what was your favorite moment from the Bionic 6? I think I th- I've already mentioned my favorite moment, but uh, it, it once again it has to be Professor Scarab. Just that one phrase. Now that I'm immortal, I'll need money, all the money in the world. It's just it, the leap there. Just that leap, and then it just—he's <laughs> saying this as they're on their way to rob a bank of all its gold bullion, and. That was, to me, probably one of my favorite moments, that whole little sequence, because then it leads into uh, the Bionic Six coming and then, like, the big brute being like, oh, the bad guys are here. Right. So that whole sequence there, like, of the of the, the start of the, I guess, the heist, shall I call it? Yes, the heist of the bank. That whole sequence of when he goes in and defeats the Bionic Six, probably my, my favorite moment of the pilot episode just because of how ludicrous it was and how I just love a, I love a villain with a good motive that I can understand. And it's especially nice when they restate their motive every 30 seconds. They're like, I'm evil. I'm going to rob this bank. I want to be immortal. I, I guess I'm already immortal. So now next step, rob the bank and then world domination. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's just like, oh, excuse me, sir. Now that you're immortal, what do you need money for? Out of curiosity. All right, you just want money? All right, now you go nuts. You have a plan, and that rules. Uh, followed secondly by the, the nodding at the end. That that, that was very good. The, the nodding was good. I guess the Professor Scarab's main motive is to show up his brother, who has a superhero <laughs> team, and he's like, fuck you, dude. I can do cool stuff, too. Look, here's my clone wife, who's me, <laughs> that I get to fuck. <laughs> his brother's like, all right, okay. Okay, man. Cool. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> That's cool. I'm gonna hang out with my with my good friend Bionic Dad One. So good <laughs> goodbye, <laughs> brother of mine. <laughs> and hangs up. <clears throat> I, I would say that my favorite moment was definitely the very fourth wall breaking ending. That was just good. I just love a cartoon where the characters realize that they're in a cartoon, but also don't really care much. <laughs> Well, that's good. it's fair enough. I, I mean, it's that kind of argument of like um, that philosophical one where it's like, ah, are we living in a simulation? And so it's just like, from my perspective, it's like, I don't care. If you, you could come over tomorrow and be like, yes, you're living in a simulation. And I'd be like, okay, doesn't right. change my world. <laughs> Still here. Imagine if that was what happened in the Matrix. <laughs> They're like, do you want to take the pill and, and go and exit the, the, the machine? And he's like, nah. 
I'm no, fine. <laughs> no, I am scoffing that blue pill. Give me that choice, and I will be like nomming that blue pill out of Morpheus's hand like a horse on an apple. Just <laughs> yeah, fuck off with that red pill. No, thank you. I'm taking this blue one. Plug me back in. Give me a steak. I don't need this. <laughs> oh, you're you're Scyther. <laughs> you're Joey Pantaleone. <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, except I would have just strung the agents on for like a lot longer to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll I'll tell you where the Nebuchadnezzar is, but you're more of this steak though. That's pretty good. Maybe yeah. we we'll go for we'll go, maybe we'll go curry next time. That'd be all right. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of stuff to do. So oh see you God. next time, Mister Smith. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm getting a little sleepy. I think I gotta go to bed. You know these flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yep, I'll see you later. Gotta get me. Like two years would go by. Two years of uh, of Agent Smiths getting real mad at me, being like, "We keep giving him steaks. Right? When's he gonna fucking give us the one?" Well, Joel, thank you for joining me this week on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Where can people find you online? Well, people can find me personally on Twitter. I'm at GoddammitZamit, or on Instagram of the same. I post sparingly because just don't have much to say. But you can find me online uh, on all the bunch of different podcasts that I do. Uh, you can find them all at sanspantsradio.com. They're all there. There's Plumbing the Death Star, Thumb Cramps, uh, D&D is for Nerds. I'm on that a good chunk. And yeah, just head to Sandspans Radio and, and check out all the great shows, including Cynical Cartoons. And if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, I am at StopTweetingMia. Thank you for listening to the Cynical Cartoons podcast for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant, and I'm here if you need to talk. This is Bionic One, leader of the Bionic Six. Call me at 1-900-909-1122. We'll journey into space, discover the world of computers and what causes volcanoes. A new adventure every day. Part of your $2.35 two-minute call goes to local area science museums. Get your parents' permission and call 1-900-909-1122. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.